Welcome to Bible Line, a ministry of Calvary Community Church. Our podcast is dedicated to the clear teaching of God's Word. We aim to help people find Jesus Christ and train believers through the study of the Bible. We would love to feature your questions on the show. You can email us at questions at BibleLineMinistries.org. If you'd like to support the show, you can go to calvaryoftampa.org forward slash donate. Catch new episodes every Thursday. We pray today's episode is a blessing to you. Take your Bible and go to the 119th chapter in the book of Psalms. And we're going to... I, I was sitting at my desk yesterday, and for the better portion of today, and I, I, just, see keep, I, I just keep seeing people get ahead of the Lord. It's like they can't slow down and just be content with the things that they have. It's a very common side effect of our generations today. Think about it. Every time you turn on your phone or turn on your computer, there's always something that needs to be updated. A change, and, and the phone that you have will not be the phone that you have in 10 years, most likely. Um, there's going to be some type of update that makes it obsolete. The world is just changing all the time. And we have a lot of people, young people, that I, I think they're, they're excited to find out what God has said. And uh, a lot of them are looking for truth. Many of them are not finding the truth. And the ones who do find the truth, they, they, they tend to get into the kind of preaching that is like 10 financial points of success from the Sermon on the Mount. I mean, that, that's not the point of the Sermon on the Mount. But there's a lot of preaching like that out there. And what happens is, People tend to just really get bogged down in areas of their life that don't need to be bogged down. So I w- as I was thinking and as I was praying, I was thinking, well, how can, how can I use the ministry that we have here to, to speak to people who are just overwhelmed? They just don't have any good sense of direction. They, they don't have an idea of where they want to go and what they want to do. So what I did is I wrote down 10 helpful pieces of advice that I have received over the years that has helped me. And I'm going to share them with you. So if you're, if you're taking notes, I would encourage you to write these things down. The first one is, simplify your daily Christian life with these basic actions. Learn to make them habits in your life. And like a true pastor, that comes with four additional points. Okay? So here they are. So we're, we're, we're talking about these basic life actions that you can do. Number one, read your Bible daily without distraction. And that's what I want you to see in Psalm chapter 119 and verse 105. Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. I encourage you when you get some time, maybe tonight or tomorrow, but don't wait. Read the entire chapter of Psalm 119. It is so you, you will find it very repetitive in a good way. It is talking about God's Word. It is talking about His law. It is talking about elevating that to the top priority of, of a person's life. But if we're not daily in our Bibles, it's going to become almost like we, we, we look at uh, diets. You know, It's like, oh, I've been really good for 14 days so I can have a cheat day for these two days, and then I'll get back into it. If your Bible reading should not be the same way. 
That needs to be every single day. We were talking about this in chapel on Tuesday. And uh, Dr. Richard Seymour was brought up. And, and if you don't know that name, I encourage you to become familiar with it. He's written a great book on repentance and, and several other things. But uh, I'm not going to quote him directly, but basically he was talking. Uh, in a, there, there, there was a chapel session back in the old FBC, and there's a question asked of the graduating class, how many of you have a consistent quiet time? And there weren't a lot of responses. And at some point later or in the same conversation, Dr. Seymour was asked, what about you? You know, when, you know, when is the last time that you've missed any kind of quiet time? And he couldn't remember. And so many people will rush to the conclusion and they'll say, well, that's why he's spiritual, right? Because he hasn't missed a day. But he'll be the first one to tell you that he doesn't know if that really makes him spiritual or not. He just knows it's important to try and be consistent. So in order for us to have good success in our life, as far as a Christian is concerned, you've got to learn how to read your Bible daily without distraction. And those distractions can come in many different forms, even devotionals. Some devotionals, they really cherry-pick God's Word. If you are in a devotional and the beginning of a verse starts with three dots and ends with three dots, you may want to watch out for that. That might not be how that verse is properly used in context. So the second thing under this one point is learn how to pray for your needs and the needs of others. Be in communication with your brothers and sisters in Christ as you share the gospel with people, make note of it, and bring them in prayer soon after. The third thing there is make time to be at church and fellowship with believers. I try to be the last one to leave on Sunday morning, Sunday night, and Wednesday night. I want to make time for people. I want to make sure that they know that they're important to me and that I want to hear what's going on. If you want to share things with me, and I'll pray for you. But you can't do that. If you're not here, you can't do that if you're not here. So make time for those things. And then number four is always be ready to plant a gospel seed. I went over to my father-in-law's house yesterday to cut the grass and move some furniture. And I was talking with Steve, and he said he went to the dentist. And every single worker there, the ones behind the desks, the ones who are cleaning the teeth, cleaning the equipment, he said they all got a Can I Know card. That's somebody who's prepared. They're ready to run into a situation where they can win a soul to Christ. Now, I don't know how many of those conversations happened, but at least information was put in their hands. So always be ready to plant a gospel seed. Today, when we went and saw one of the houses for Trent and Cheyenne, this lady was there and she had this adorable little puppy. I mean, the cutest thing ever. And I'm thinking, is this on purpose? You know, we're looking at, you know, you're trying to look at the house and all the things that need to be done to the house, but oh, there's this cute little puppy and blah, blah, blah. And then everything else kind of melts in perspective to the dog. It might be a sales tactic. I don't know. But I'll tell you, one time I was buying a car and the guy was like really excited about everything going on. And, and that radio came on real quick. And when the radio's on, you really can't hear what's happening until you're driving at home and you're like, what is that sloshing sound? <laughs> But anyway, we're, we're, we're there at the, at the house, and I had a, a gospel track ready. It was right over here off of Pebble Point. And I, I gave her the track, and I said, hey, I, I, she was talking to somebody about being a Baptist. And I went over there, and I said, hey, our church is right across the street. We'd love to have you come. Here's some information. Be ready to plant those seeds. But if we're not thinking about winning souls, we're not going to have those tracks in our pocket. We're not going to take time to be prepared 
to have a conversation with somebody. So just make that a habit. So reading our Bible, learning how to pray for our, uh, for our needs and the needs of others, making time to be in, in fellowship with believers, and always be ready to plant a gospel seed. That ends the first piece there. The second piece is always look for a solution to the problem before sharing the problem with others. It can be very easy to diagnose a problem. Oop, this is not right. Oop, that is not right. And we're really quick to sharing the problem. So I would challenge you, and I've learned this the hard way, especially running ranch ministry, to look for solutions before you start broadcasting that there's a problem. Just run through it, a pros and cons list, whatever it may be. You have to learn to discipline your mind from spiraling into things that might happen. That's what causes us to share the problems instead of looking for the solutions. We're, we're, we're spiraling into the what ifs. Well, what if this happens? And what if this? And what if this? And what if this? Don't, don't look at that. Look at the present situation and try to find a solution. Practice taking your problem to God first instead of relying on something or someone else. I know that God has given us all different talents and abilities, and there are things that you do well that I do not do well, and, and vice versa. But I, I don't want you to become very dependent upon your ability to solve a problem. Go to the Lord. Ask Him to give you wisdom and discernment. That's my number one prayer. I am always praying for wisdom and discernment. You know why? Because the Bible tells us in James, if any man lack wisdom, let him ask God, who gives liberally to all men. That's a good use of the word liberal in the Bible. Anyway, we'll move off of that. Number three, be a person who can be thankful in any situation. Be a person who can be thankful in any situation. Ask yourself, how can I give thanks to God in this situation? Because of the prosperity movement, because of the prosperity gospel, where literally these preachers are getting on stage and they're, they're, they're handing out money and they're having people step on money to show that they are, they're going to have financial success in their life and they're having people buy products and sign up for subscriptions to make them, spirit, uh, to make them physically and spiritually wealthy. In a world like that, we should look instead on thankfulness being a really, really good commodity. Learn to be a thankful person. Whatever is going on in your life, good or bad, be thankful for it. And you know what you're going to find? There's not a lot of bad things. There's not a lot of bad things. Everything can be, become a blessing if we look at it with the right perspective. But if we're not training ourselves to be thankful, if we're not training ourselves to be disciplined with our perspective, then that'll be almost impossible to achieve. Because remember, you have a flesh nature within you that is fighting against any kind of godly action or decision that you can make. It's a very strong flesh nature. It's very talented. It knows what it wants. I don't have to tell you that. You know that. But your spirit nature needs to be built. And prayer and thanksgiving is very, very important. Thankfulness is most often achieved with the proper perspective of our blessings. For example, if you find yourself with an illness and you're in the hospital, you can, through a level-headed procedure of thinking, be thankful there's a hospital you can be in where you're treated. 
because there are many people around the world who do not have that luxury. You can talk to Mr. Hernandez about that. He literally goes to different places on the summer and treats people that don't have medical care. Now, he's not the one treating them. He's treating them spiritually. But there are people that go and do that. We're still living in a, in a country where you can do that. Even if a person is homeless on the street or, or, or they, they don't have things that are basic for survival, they can still be taken care of. Be thankful for those things. Learn to thank people for their time and take time to tell them why you're thankful for them. Boy, that'll really change a person's day. If you take time to thank people for what they're doing and you make sure that it's not like a quick thing and that it's honest and sincere, that helps people. I try to always be telling people how thankful I am for them. Trust me, I try the best I can <laughs> because I know that it encourages them. And it makes, it makes me feel like I'm helping them in some way. Number four, never underestimate the value of knowing your Bible. Go to Titus chapter 1 in verse 9. Titus chapter 1 in verse 9. The list we're going to look at here are the requirements for uh, someone who wants to be an elder. But I think that these could also be done by any disciplined Christian. Titus chapter 1, look there in verse 9 and part of verse 10. Holding fast the faithful, the faithful word as he hath been taught, that he may be able by sound doctrine both to exhort and to convince the gainsayers. Boy, there's a real need for clear Bible-believing Christians. You remember the impact that Dr. Hank Lundstrom had on this community? I would even venture to say the impact that he had on the world, and he's still having today. David and I spent two and a half hours on Monday combing over the Bible Line Ministries website as it's about to transition into a new site, but we want to make sure that those links are preserved. We want to make sure that those articles that Dr. Lindstrom wrote are still available. And I want to make sure that I write information in the same way, because this is important. This is important that people understand how to rightly divide the word of truth. But the last part of uh, I want to show you here of that point about never underestimate the value of knowing the Bible is verse 10. For there are many unruly and vain talkers and deceivers. For every Bible-believing person out there who knows the Bible, there's probably three or four unclear teachers. It seems like there, it, it's almost like a game when you go on Church's About Us page and you count how many seconds it takes for you to find out they don't believe the Bible. It is happening more and more and more. Churches are sprouting up, and what's happening is you have these huge mega churches that are like a vacuum for the smaller local churches, and they're pulling everything in, and it's just a program. I've talked to people who have come out of ministries like that, and they come to Calvary, and they say, we're really thankful for Calvary, because they teach the Bible, and I don't feel like I'm getting lost in a sea of people. Lord willing, if we get to 500 regular people on a Sunday morning, we're having 500 regular people come here. You know what my next thought's going to be? It's time to branch out. It's time to train somebody to go do this somewhere else. I'd rather have three or four churches that have 250 people in them than one church that has 1,000 people and no one's really growing. You want to push out. You want to continue to reach areas. And we're, we're doing that right now through our online ministry. But, it, but it's all because 
we're not underestimating the Word of God and the power of knowing the Word of God. Learn to discipline yourself in Bible study, work at it as often as you can, and be ready to defend your faith with chapter and verse. It's the whole reason why I went to Bible college. Because I realized the only defense I had for my faith was, that's what my church believes. Or this track that's from my church says that. That'll only last you so long. (laughs) You've got to be able to know the Bible says. Number five, win the soul, not the argument. Get burdened for souls, not annoyed. Get burdened for souls, not annoyed. Boy, I see this a lot. I see this a lot with, with people that they're, they really they want to reach people, but they don't know how to talk to people. <laughs> don't be annoyed with the lost person. Be burdened with them. Have compassion for them. Realize that people are lost because they are deceived by the world and its offerings. Every Calvinist out there that believes the way they believe, or every Arminian out there that believes the way they believe, I'm not mad at them. I, I want to reach them. They are the product of deception. I want to make sure that they come to the knowledge of the truth. And a lot of people, they have believed on Christ. They get into bad teaching and they're continuing to teach these things and they're not producing uh, 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 saved people. They're just telling lost people to act in a way that they think God will honor, but He can't because they have to have their sin paid for. So we have to win the soul, not the argument. Number six. Number six and seven go together, so I'll read them together. Never be too busy for people. Never be too busy for people. And number seven, be a good listener. You can't be a good listener if you're always talking. Yikes. You can't be a good listener if if, if this is always going. You ever met somebody like that? It's like this is the song that never ends. It goes on and on, my friends. And... (laughs) Don't be that person. I mean, there's, there, there's a time to, to talk and there's a time to, to give advice and, and to pass along wisdom that you've seen God put in your life. But let me tell you, there's also more times where you need to be a listener. Be a good listener. Let that be a hallmark of who you are. And people will start to come to you for advice. And if you're trained in the Word, you can give them good advice. But you, you don't, don't eliminate uh, time for people. And I'm, I'm not saying that means you have to just give every single second for other people. That's not logical. But when people ask of your time, make time. I've talked to people, and they want to to talk, and and I know it's not going to be just a a simple conversation. So I schedule time two weeks out. I say, hey, in two weeks on Monday, we're going to meet at this place where I can give you undivided time. I don't have my cell phone with me. I don't have any kind of distractions. I want to give that individual the time that they're asking. We can never be too busy for people. I saw on a website um, recently a great gospel video. It was so good. Went to the website and under contact us, do you know what it says? Such and such is too busy for emails, phone calls, and texts. Please refer to our FAQ page. Boy, that breaks my heart. And I, I, I'm, I'm pretty sure they are busy, and I don't want to make that a critique on them. But the mistake there is, what they're saying is, you're not important enough, just go to this webpage and figure it out. Never be too busy for people. You can learn to make time for people because the lost need someone to listen to them, and brothers and sisters in Christ need someone to listen. 
And I'm sure all of us should be doing that. We should be talking to one another, encouraging one another in prayer. So the last three points here. Number eight, the fruit of the Spirit is singular. Work on all nine attributes over time. I've heard this before. People say, well, I know that's a fruit of the Spirit, but that's just not the one that God has given to me. You can't really say that. That fruit is singular. It, it, we should have all nine of those characteristics in our life. It's going to take time, but work on them. Be careful, number nine, be careful of leisure. Too much can be lethal. Be careful of leisure. Too much can be lethal. If you're always working for that vacation, if you're, always, if, if, if you're working so you can build that house on a hill and, and, and you're starting to think in your mind, that's going to solve all my problems, that's going to be the day that everything... Is, uh, is, is fine when I get to retire and I get this and I get that. You need to be careful of that. Because when that day does come, that nice house that you have or that retirement that you have, it's not going to come without problems. And you've deceived yourself in thinking that that's the end goal. Be careful of leisurely time. I'm not saying there's not a time and place for it, but if that's what you're living for, if you're living to relax, you need to check that. You need to check that. And the last thing here, number 10, don't share problems with people who are not a part of the solution. Hello. Did you hear that one? Don't share problems with people who are not a part of the solution. Do you know what that is? That is gossiping. And I think it is one of the most lethal things in a church. It just goes around, well, I just want to get their opinion. And then someone is asked about how someone else sees something, and, and they don't really know how that person sees something, but they're just assuming, and now that assumption becomes the truth, and then things get hard and difficult, and it ends up ruining ministries. I'm sure you have found out in your life, maybe, I hope not in church, <laughs> but you found it in, in your family or in your, your workplace when something mean, nasty, and unkind has been said and, uh, and, and pushed about you, it hurts. I mean, we naturally want to trust people. We don't, we're not always looking to get hurt, but we do get hurt, and things are difficult. It shouldn't be that way in church. It shouldn't be that way in church. If we have a, if we have a problem, we need to deal with the, the person on a one-on-one -on -one basis. Don't involve other people that are not a part of that solution. Now that's going to happen. That's going to continue because we're all people. We have a sinful nature. This is who we are. But I don't want it to be something that you think is okay. Be careful being a busybody too. Always in someone else's business and not really having your own taken care of. If you want to find something to do, refer back to point number one. Build those four habits. Bible study, prayer, faithfulness in fellowship, and faithfulness in sharing the gospel. So I, I hope these things have helped you. I am in no way, let me just be very clear, I am in no way standing up here and saying, I have arrived and this is my wisdom to you. <laughs> no way. Dr. Arnold is here tonight and most of the things he just heard were said to me from, by him. <laughs> uh, we, we, spend a, we spend a lot of times when I was the assistant pastor and even as a student, I would talk to him and, and he would share things with me. And I'm thankful for that. I just want to pass these things along because I see a lot of people just trying to make the Christian life so complicated. They're trying to make it so complicated and just like 
It, it, it is a me, me, me show. It becomes, look what I have done. Let, let's just simplify it and, and try to do the best we can with the time that we have left. And let me reiterate that, the time that we have left. Because if you're paying attention, we are so close. <laughs> the things that are happening out there in the Middle East now, there are things going on with Turkey, Iraq, and Iran. Russia is not happy about what has happened in Afghanistan. Can, can you not just look and see how everything is getting really hot really quickly? All that needs to happen next is just a departure of the body of Christ, and then the worst period of time will begin on this earth. And it's going to be supernatural, and it's going to be scary, and it's going to be very quick. So the time that you and I have left, you know, we're going to be rewarded for what we do. Faith without works is dead. That's what that means. Be busy working out your faith. Not to prove that you're saved, but to reach people. To reach people. <laughs> Dr. Arnold would always tell me, if you find yourself without anything to do, come see me. And you know what would happen? I never found myself coming to Dr. Arnold saying, I don't have anything to do. Because <laughs> that would just not be a good situation. I was always trying to find something to keep myself busy. And I want you to do the same thing. And if we work on these these small areas here, I think it'll, it'll really set us up for, for the long haul. Look up here. I want to share with you how you can know for sure that you have eternal life. Maybe you've never thought about it before. Where am I going to go when I die? You can find out right here, right now, how you can know for sure. When you die, you'll go to heaven. This hand represents you and me, everybody on the entire planet. And this wallet's going to represent sin. I'm going to put it on top of my hand because the Bible says... For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Now God, He loves us. He hates our sin because the sin separates us from Him. The Bible says in order to get to heaven, you have to be perfect. Just like God, you have to be perfect even before you walked in here. No sin has ever been committed in your life, and no sin will ever be committed after you walk out of here in the future. It's impossible. That's why we're all called sinners. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. The payment for sin, Romans 6.23 tells us this. The wages of sin is death. And it's not just a physical death. It is a second death, as the Bible says. It's a separation from God forever in a literal fire-burning hell. It's a payment for one sin. Well, he says it's pretty harsh. Well, that's how God judges sin. He loves us. Now, there's many world religions out there that say, Oh, you can pay for your sin. And I'll let this dollar represent good works. This is uh, coming to church. This is giving money. This is um, asking for forgiveness and giving your life to Christ. Or this is turning from sins. Whatever kind of work that you think you can do to earn eternal life is not going to be accepted by God. The wages of sin is not good works. It's death. The standard which you are going to be judged by is not your good works compared to somebody else. It's your good works compared to perfection, and we all fall short. So there's no amount of good deeds that we can do to get saved of our own merit. Somebody has to die for this sin. This hand is going to represent Jesus Christ. He was perfect. He had no sin. And 2,000 years ago, 
He went to that cross. You know this story. He was on the cross and he died on the cross. He was buried and he rose again three days later. Okay, you're, what, what are you telling me? I've heard this before. Well, what he did on that cross was he took all of your sin, laid it upon himself. He paid for it. That's why he cried out, it is finished. He died and he rose again three days later with that sin completely paid for. 100%. All the sin of all the world was paid. And John 3.16 shows us how you and I can have that payment put to our account. Listen closely. For God so loved the world, you and me, that He gave His only begotten Son, Jesus Christ, that whosoever, again, you and me, watch this, believeth in Him. Believeth in Him. Now how do we know that believing leads to eternal life? Whosoever believeth in Him should not perish, but have eternal life. The verse tells us right there. Jesus Christ is saying to Nicodemus in that context, but ultimately to all those who want to get saved, all those in the entire world, if you just believe on the Son, you receive the free gift of everlasting life. See, I stand here today knowing 100% that I could not go to hell if I tried. And I know that's a shock statement. But the point of that statement is, I can't go to hell because there's no sin left to lay to my account. I'm not advocating a life of sin. In no way does the Bible teach that either. But all of my sin is paid 100%. Because I believed on the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Amen. Well, aren't you, aren't you depending on being a pastor too to get you there? No. <laughs> if me being a pastor is a part of my eternal life, um, I've got a problem. Yeah. <laughs> I am depending 100% on Jesus Christ. I did that once when I was 12 years old. I've been saved ever since. And that will never change. And once you have eternal life, that's exactly what it is, eternal life. So you can know today for sure. When you die, you're going to heaven. How? Believe on the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. Amen? Amen? Amen. Let's go to the Lord in prayer, please. Heads are bowed and eyes are closed. Nobody's looking around if you're here tonight, and, or maybe you're online. I know there's a lot of people that watch online. Right where you're sitting, would you simply believe that Jesus Christ, the Son of God, died for all of your sins, was buried, and rose again? The moment you do that, you're saved. There's no feeling that's going to accompany that. Maybe joy, but there's no massive experience or signs that you have to produce. Many in, in the room tonight already have done this, but I'm not sure of everyone. So I encourage you right where you're sitting to believe. I'd like to know if you got saved tonight for the first time. You can only get saved once. But if tonight you believe for the first time, I'd like to pray for you. Would you just raise your hand? Raising your hand does not save you. It just lets me know that you believe on Jesus Christ for the first time today. Anyone before we close? Father, we thank You so much for the opportunity to open Your Word. Thank You for men and women that You have brought our way to plant seeds in our mind. Thank You for Your Word. Thank You for the Holy Spirit. Bring us back here safely on Sunday, Lord, we pray that no one else in our ministry is exposed to this virus and, and we know that there, there will be cases down the road and we just pray uh, that, that our bodies are able to combat it.
We ask that you give us wisdom and discernment and opportunities for souls. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to today's episode. As a thank you to our listeners, we want to give away a free Bible every month this year. To enter, send us an email with your Bible question. Our email address is questions at BibleLineMinistries.org. Be sure to subscribe to the show and check back each Thursday for new episodes. Until next time, keep looking up. Jesus is coming soon.